I'm not going with you. I'd rather stay here and face the consequences of my own actions than be associated with yours. This was mine, Milo. You tell that to the people you stole it from. Tell it to Teddy. Come on. It's only a matter of time before someone owns the information. You can't stop it. You just slowed it down. I slowed you down, Gary. That's what matters to me. This isn't a game. In the real world, when you kill people, they die. For real. And in the real world, you're fucked. shit my name is adam i'm melissa and this is below freezing a podcast about movies that have a rotten tomatoes score of 32 percent or less and uh tonight's film you know i don't want to say it was a doozy because i quite enjoyed it actually if i'm being totally honest um so the film that we are talking about today is the 2001 cyber thriller antitrust uh, starring Ryan Phillippe, Claire Forlani, Rachel Lee Cook, and Tim Robbins. But uh, before we get into talking about the movie, we have to talk about who picked it and why. <laughs> um, and so last week, or, you know, I say last week, whenever, the last one that we talked about, which was The Happening, uh, you picked it. And you had mentioned that you had kind of narrowed it down and then flipped a coin. And I believe it came down to The Happening and antitrust it did and so i figured well you know well i did pick this but it it wasn't like a chore because i remember loving this movie when it came out and you had never seen this before i've never seen this now you have to say what movie you confuse this with well i think i even saw the trailer and i still (laughs) confuse this with boiler room I kept going, when's Vin Diesel <laughs> coming into this movie? And the answer to that is, is never. never. He doesn't he doesn't show up at all. Um, by the way, Boiler Room has a decent Rotten Tomatoes score. It's, it? it's, okay. Yeah, it's over, it's, it's over 60. It will oh, never. Okay. It's, it's, it's got a pretty good okay. Rotten Tomatoes score. <laughs> um, so I picked it. And I picked it because this was in the prime of like high school movie watching. and it was, But it was PG-13, so it was a movie that I could see. And I remember very much enjoying it but we'll, we'll get into the specifics in a second um so uh, as we always will we will tell you what we were drinking um as we got through to, make, to help us get through the movie now unlike when we watched the happening and we felt like we needed alcohol we didn't really need it to get through this i no. felt i felt engaged yeah. through the movie um but anyways just to throw a little shout out there um Savaya Cellars in uh, a Washington winery, as we are big fans of, which is in Walla Walla. Um, They have something called the Jack, which is a a red wine blend. Um, Pretty good. I liked it. I thought it was good. It smelled really good. Yeah, it it had a nice had a nice scent to it. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't uh, it wasn't bitter. It went down real nice. Gotta say. Um, So if you're looking for a lot of like buttery honey are we trying to you're just making shit up now aren't you (laughs) (laughs) melissa it was good it was mine melissa is practicing to be a sommelier so (laughs) so you should know this is this is her testing this and putting this yeah the podcast is a ruse just so yeah so we can drink wine (laughs) we'll test her for her her wine knowledge yeah um but anyway so savaya cellars walla walla washington the jack it's a red wine blend i picked the picasso and not overly expensive so i would uh, i would recommend this wine and yes, I would too. I would recommend this movie, but we'll get there later too. Um, so to talk a little bit about this movie, um, as I said at the beginning, this movie stars uh, Ryan Phillippe, Rachel Lee Cook, Claire Forlani, and Tim Robbins. And there are some other performers we'll talk about throughout too, but those are the main stars. Talking about the people behind this movie, this is directed by Peter Howitt, who is uh, actually primarily a British actor, actually, um, less than a director. He has some credits but it's not really worth mentioning. Who I want to talk about is the people who helped create this movie because there are a lot of actually talented people behind the scenes. And so I, I wrote some of this down. So I, I um, 
could let you know who was involved in the making of this movie. If I mention the, the name Zach Steinberg, does that mean anything to you? No. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so Zach Steinberg was the editor of this film. He edited The Matrix and all of The Matrix films, along with a lot of other movies now. So to put that out there, he won Best Editing at the Oscars oh. for The Matrix. Okay. This And this and Matrix was, was at 99. So this is like right after The Matrix comes out. Okay. He gets tapped for this. Don Davis also did the score for The Matrix. He he was on this film as well. So I think they really took the cyber part of that because The Matrix, of course, all the code yes. that runs through that. So I think okay. that was that was heavily influenced into this. Okay. If I mention the name Catherine Hardwick, does that mean anything to you? No. Okay, so Catherine Hardwick was the production designer of this movie. Now, she's been the production designer for a lot of movies in the past. However, she's also become a director in the last decade or so. Um, do you remember the movie 13? Yes, I do. Okay. So she directed that. I was able to finally say yes. There you go. She, she directed Red Riding Hood with, uh, with Blondie, uh, Amanda Seyfried. She directed the first Twilight. So a a lot of, a lot of films have, that she's done. And then the, the, the last person I want to say is if if the name John Bailey sounds familiar, which I'm sure it doesn't. Um, it did actually. Oh, really? Tell me a little bit about John Bailey. John Bailey was the. <laughs> it really didn't. I was just trying, you know. <laughs> he okay. was the cinematographer for this movie, and he he did a lot. He's done a lot of comedies. He did Groundhog Day. He did As Good as It Gets, and he also did In the Line of Fire. So, the reason I, I bring up those people is because there really were a lot of talented people behind the scenes of this movie, um, helping kind of put it on the screen. And this is one of those things where I think what really faults this movie is that dialogue more than anything else okay but we'll get into the movie in a second as we continue to go through our little bit um in terms of accolades now this i find interesting and i had to do a little bit of research so i was you know usually with movies like this because because the rotten tomato score on this movie is 24 percent with a 50% audience, but critically 24. If you if you were to go to Rotten Tomatoes, it would say, due to its use of cliched and ludicrous plot devices, this thriller is more predictable than suspenseful. Also, the acting is bad. <laughs> I, I don't know if I dis... I, I think I disagree with that. I, I, I disagree with parts of it, for sure. Um, okay. But... What I wanted to bring up is that th- there's no Razzies. There's no nothing for this. And okay. and so when I was looking at accolades, I wasn't sure I was going to find anything except for the fact that this movie won Best Film and Best Director at the Shanghai International Film Festival. Okay. Now, I, I looked it up. There were only maybe 15 or 16 total movies in contention oh my at God, this film festival. They? Now, okay, so I looked it up. Most of them were foreign films, and a lot of them were from China or Japan or that region. So there were not a lot of entries. There was only one other U.S. entry. Um, it is also a movie that I think would qualify for our podcast, which I've never seen before. Oh, have I seen this? I don't think so. Oh, okay. But it's got it's got a very um, notable cast and also uh, sort of a wow with this talented of cast. How did, was it so bad? The movie is called The Legend of Bagger Vance. It is a golfing movie starring Matt Damon with his caddy, Will Smith, and I believe Charlize Theron is also in this movie. No. Now, I've never seen it, but it's uh, it's sort of one of those... I believe it, it has like a white savior complex to it, and I've heard it's not good. Oh. I've heard it's not great, okay. and I believe its Rotten Tomato score is very low. Lower than 24. Lower than 32. No, but I know oh, 24 than this? this movie. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I'm not going to say one way or the other because I'm not sure. Okay. But it, I think it would totally qualify for what we're doing. Gotcha. But I wanted to bring that up. Now, Interesting. In, in terms of its budget, I couldn't find what it cost to make this movie. It only made $18 million worldwide. And in terms of uh, U.S. numbers, it came in for the movies released in 2001. Oh, no. 127th that year. What came in, like, first? Um, Just to... In 2001, it might have been the first Harry Potter or oh, Shrek, okay. um, but uh, it definitely wasn't this. Right, right. <laughs> which did not do very well at all. Okay. Um, so in terms of some reviews, uh, 
I did get, I got Roger Ebert's review, his original review. Um, he gave it two stars. This is the, the opening um, paragraph of his review. They might have been able to make a nice little thriller out of antitrust if they'd kept one eye on the goofy meter. Just when the movie is cooking, the needle tilts over into too goofy, which breaks the spell. What are we to make of a brainy nerd hero who fears his girlfriend is trying to kill him by adding sesame seeds to the Chinese food and administers a quick allergy test at a romantic dinner by scratching himself with a fork and rubbing on some of the brown sauce? Too goofy. Okay. I am allergic to pepperoni. Yes, you are. And on multiple dates... Have I scratched myself? I've done this exact same thing. You don't scratch yourself. You just rub it on your face. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. I didn't want to. Should I? Is that too much information? Because, and this is just like, we could be eating tacos and I would do it because yeah. I'm scared you are going to put pepperoni in something I eat. So this was yes. very believable. You're, you're very, tr- I have been secretly trying to yes. kill you for decades. <laughs> that was very believable. And yeah. I appreciated it. But now, on the other hand, I have have a three-star review from from Michael Thompson of the BBC, who says, "It It is so easy in a film of this ilk to include way too much plot so that events become overcooked or ludicrous. And that's exactly what happens here, with the film pushing its idealism too brazenly in the dying minutes. But for much of its life, antitrust relies on unhysterical thrills that are rooted in highly credible setup, a psychological cat and mouse game and keeps the audience guessing along with Milo. As it becomes a race against time thriller to boot, the picture sports twists and turns, which are niftily negotiated by Philippi, who is only required to be determined and anxious while Robbins, with little to do, spends much of the time looking deceptively like Bill Gates, (laughs) complete with serious spectacles and schoolboy hair. Um, but, But ultimately, I think he enjoyed the movie. And... I guess we could, if we want to, before we delve into the plot, we could just talk about how blatantly obvious they make. And it's not just that Tim Robbins looks a little like Bill Gates, but it's like he's just enough of an of an amalgamation to look like Bill Gates mixed with Tim Cook, who is the current Apple yes. guy, mixed with Steve Jobs. Yes. It's so, it's like they took all three of those guys and made, <clears throat> but it, and it's not even just the looks. There's a scene where they're just panning around his office and there's a bunch of guitars in the background. And uh, Paul Allen, famously, who who used to own the Seahawks, who recently yes. passed away, uh, famously like loved the guitar and loved people who play, had a sort of a collection of them. And it's just like I feel like they took who are all the really famous nerds, and like what how can we pull from them to make to make Tim Robbins the like most nerdy nerd, right? Which is just kind of silly. <laughs> no, they're definitely. You're right. There definitely was there. There were multiple times in the movie where I could see, um, at different moments, you know, all three of those people. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't poorly executed, but it was just a very blatant. This is what yeah. we're trying well, to do. <laughs> there's literally a line where where Ryan Phillippe says to Tim Robbins, he goes, "Doesn't Bill Gates have something like that?" And he goes, "Bill, Bill who?" who? Yeah. Which, of yeah. course, is funny. So, so I guess the really shitty synopsis of this movie is that Ryan Phillippe plays uh, Milo, who is sort of an up-and-coming tech programmer guy, and him and his friends, uh, most importantly, Teddy, um, are these kind of young upstarts who are really good at what they're going to do, and they want to start their own company. But um, Tim Robbins, who plays Gary, the owner of Nerve, uh, N-U-R-V, which stands for Never Underestimate Radical Vision, which is... a uh, Okay, cool. I like. I guess that's a that's a great acronym. I guess I like that nerve. I always like the misspelling of acronyms too. Like it's not quite the. It's not N E R V E. It's N U R V because it's got to be that cool. Yeah. It's got that really. This movie tries to be like, like early two thousands cool. Right. But without the whole like, it couldn't be as cool as the Matrix because it wasn't that kind of a movie. But um, it's trying. So, anyways, though, uh, Milo gets recruited to work at Nerve. And uh, help finish off Synapse, which is going to be this revolutionary thing that basically is going to allow people to communicate all over the world with video, text, audio, all these things. Now, in, in present day 2019, that sounds stupid because we can do that. But in 2001, when cell phones were becoming a little more mainstream and the internet was becoming a little more mainstream, but not quite, you know, like, remember trying to watch a video on the internet in 2001? It was a quick time video and it would take like four 
four hours yes. to download for like a 30 second clip. Right. Yes. So like something like this was pretty, the idea of it was pretty revolutionary. And so Milo has been recruited to help establish this. And he finds out that Gary is doing some very sinister things uh, in among them, killing one of his best friends and uh, Philippi uh, Milo becomes determined to basically take down nerve from the inside. So that's enough of the plot, I think, to just sort of dive into this movie. Now, you had never seen this before. Never. So. I thought I did. Thought it was Boiler Room. Yes, you thought it was Boiler Room. You thought it was a good movie. Well, (laughs) I can't, but I even I I have trepidation saying that because I wouldn't call this good, but it's not bad. So, yeah, what are your, okay, so what are your immediate thoughts? Of like the the overall? The film at large, yes. And then we'll kind of dive into the specifics. I really enjoyed this movie there you go i did not take a lot of notes and i was very interactive with this movie wouldn't you, you say were, uh, you i'm kind were. of on the edge of my seat and yelling at the <laughs> well i gotta say the most one of the there were two moments where you i think you were very uh physically reactive uh, one of them, and I, I hate to start start off talking about the movie on such a low note, but it's when the the two guys come in and basically beat Teddy. Oh, yeah, which is a very rough, uh, tough scene to watch. And um, you know, ultimately, when you think about the company of of Nerve, and you think about the depths to which they're going to 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 stay ahead of the competition, so much so that they they're they're killing Teddy, who is an Asian American, and then planting the crime on these local racists who write, and I'm sorry, I'm quoting the movie, died chink, which is just awful. awful it's just God yes. awful. Like that's rough. And and when they break in, it's pretty, I mean, it's that, it's that kind of violence. That's really, it seems really brutal because you're not seeing it totally. Right. Like it's, it's mostly off screen, but it, because we're left to fill in the, the images, it, it's almost it's worse. Yeah. yeah. I, um, and it was at the point of the movie where, you know um, Gary, who is Tim Robbins' character. You know, they've kind of set it up enough where you know he's bad. Like, you know that he's, there's there's something going on. Yes. And you don't know the depths of what it is, but you're like, okay, I, I don't trust this. Um, but for that to happen, I guess, in the way that it did, it shocked me. And... Yeah. I didn't like it. And I did not like that it immediately, it was such a hard cut to the kids playing. Well, no. So the hard cut. Wasn't that it? <laughs> no? Am I making this up? Okay. No, no, no. The ki- there is a shot of the kids playing, but but what follows that is, is, the, is the security guard dusting for prints. What follows the beating is the really bad like commercial with Tim Robbins walking through and there's that really bad clip of the of the son being like, Hi dad, look what I made. And then sure the really yeah, oh no, followed? it does. It does okay, that, I mean, you, because the, the cut is so bad. I, and, it's a really bad edit. Okay, so clearly I'm not on the same like um I just I've seen this movie like yes. eight times, which okay. is sad. But I, I know that I have. That was a pretty bad I did make a note that that was the funniest infomercial. It was pretty bad. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's this this movie kept me on the edge of my seat even though I knew people were bad and I knew like this maybe you could help me explain this but the setups were not really set up. They pretty they they spelled it out pretty quick who was bad and like what was happening. There were moments um where you found out like the twists and the turns on like who was actually like honestly all in the um like well, web of being bad but it still kept me on on the edge of my seat so what you just said brings up two things and i want to i want to continue what you said and then bring it back just a little bit so the other the other really i think the other time that you got very responsive to the movie was when towards the end they're trying to upload um the video that they've prepped you find out that rachel lee cook who plays Lisa oh. is not on his side. Yes. And and you were like, no. And I was like, cool. When, and, yes. and I love hearing that because you're invested. Like you're you're buying into the movie, which is great. Um, but the reason I think that's that's important though, is that maybe one of the better scenes, but also one of the worst scenes is where so Milo is broken into the daycare center because that's where he's able to access all of this information that nerve is trying to hide. 
and in in the doing of that, he sees you know that his girlfriend is actually somebody else. Yes, and he finds out like that this Lisa girl was sexually molested by her stepfather, and he finds the video of his friend beaten beaten to death. And it's we need all that information because it's going to help dictate what happens later on. It's going to when his interactions with with Claire Forlani later and his motivations for wanting to do this and his his sympathy with Lisa and the reason why he goes to her is because he believes that oh she's not a part of this because he's not seeing that. That's all good, but it's this that scene is really indicative of the biggest problem of this movie, which is that everything is exposition. There's not really any character development. It's just exposition okay yes and that's i think i think what makes this movie not like really really good is the fact that it's all just like i'm just furthering the plot everything was furthering the plot like even like there's a scene where his friend comes up and he's like hey i just i turned my application right yes oh yeah yeah, that's good well i'm parked illegally and the reason why that scene is awkward like there's no dialogue where he goes, by the way, this is Lisa. He never introduces his he friend doesn't. to Rachel Lee Cook, which is just awkward. And like the whole scene feels awkward, but it's only there to tell us that he is managing this local access network. That's it. it and I get that. But for some reason, I really. <laughs> and we only like I'm not I am not drunk. I don't even know if I would say I'm buzzed even after having um, we split a bottle of wine. Yeah. yeah. I still really enjoyed the dialogue in this movie because it always told me something and I appreciated it. <laughs> it it always told you something? It always like... <laughs> yes. That's usually what dialogue does. It always like told me something new. Okay. And furthered the plot it did and i that's what i appreciated so like in that scene in particular sorry to cut you off but i did comment on how it was like i wrote like well introduce your friend and then right next to i put it's a it's a man thing because that we're bad at that yes because i was like (laughs) i believe it i believe it and like at that moment maybe that was the moment when i'm taking notes in this film i'm like i don't need to be this um, critical. Even though we're doing a podcast, no, I think sure. I was like, I don't need to be this critical yeah. because that's believable. <laughs> fair. That's I fair. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's it's funny. Some of the, the, I mean, there are parts of the dialogue that are, are, that feel okay. But there are other things where it's like, and right off the bat, it's like we're hit over the head with something that's so hard to try to negotiate. Maybe and this is a good. Maybe we'll spend some some time on this. Ryan Phillippe is not a nerd. He's not. He's no. He is a. They tried a, to make him one with his kind of messed up hair and everyone's and the glasses. He put on the glasses. But, but like but. within the first three minutes of the movie, he and his friend he tells his friend, "We are geeks." First of all, you can't say that about yourself. It doesn't work that way. Right. And secondly, hearing him say it like this is two years after cruel intentions like sorry dude you're not you're too suave you're too cool you are not and i get that he's trying to put and like the actor in me respects the actor in him for wanting to do something different it's like what we talked about last time with mark Wahlberg wanting to play a science teacher right he was like at least it's not a police officer yeah exactly (laughs) exactly exactly and and looking at the trajectory that ryan Phillippe ended up going on this is a little out of what he would normally do right but it's hard to buy yeah it's 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 doesn't doesn't really work for me so much. And the glasses, like it's not enough. It's Although just, I did like you the did glasses. You I commented thought, a few times. I was like, put the put them back on. Indeed, but so to the end the end of the movie was approaching as we were watching it, and I said, Melissa, one of my, my one of my favorite lines is coming up, and but it's it's one of my favorite lines for two reasons. One because it's just ridiculous, but the other because I learned something because of this line. Did you know that I, I actually there's there's a learning thing from this that I will share with you. Oh, please do. So the line, so you know, Ryan Phillippe has released Synapse to the world. He's 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 given the the open source code so that anybody can download it, and you know Tim Robbins is freaking out, and and you know Ryan Phillippe gets this great one liner to get this this final singer right to him and he goes it's not a game in the real world when you kill people they die for real and in the real world you're fucked now 
first, that's just a badass line. That's great. But the reason why it's important to bring up is because this is a PG-13 movie. And he said, fuck. And they get one F word. You get one fuck in a PG-13. Now, I'm not sure that the Motion Picture Association of America actually has that listed in their bylaws. But that's a that seems to be a pretty constant rule. Like the other one, uh, the next year in Catch Me If You Can, there's a scene where Tom Hanks, because that movie's PG-13, Tom Hanks is talking to those police officers and they think he's a square. And he has the joke, he goes, knock, knock, who's there? Go fuck yourself. Tom Hanks says that in the movie. And it's the only F-bomb that drops in Catch Me If You Can, which is a PG-13 movie. And occasionally you'll you'll see this happen. And it's it's like, it's weird though. Because you can say shit and bitch and ass as many times as you want to in a PG-13 movie. But if you say fuck, we give you one, one time. and that's it. But this was the movie where I like I felt like I had to look into it. And I and that's like that's the thing. You get one <laughs> F-bomb. So wait, are you saying like back in high school, high school Adam um, did that? Like Looked into that's it? That's when at, like high school Adam looked into it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I thought you meant like now. I was like, that's no. sad. No, no, no. <laughs> No, I definitely looked into it okay. like after because because like I, I I don't believe I saw this in theaters, but this was definitely like a going down to like Hollywood Video and renting it. Okay, and Hollywood Video. Oh yeah, remember when you used to have to go and rent VHSs? Wow, that was a thing. Yeah, but I remember watching it and thinking like when when because it's the end of the movie, and I was like, oh no, you know, like fourteen year old Adam was like, they just they just said fuck. Oh like how God. could they get away with that? And that's why. Oh man. So there you go. Um so so what are I mean so in terms of our at least let's kind of maybe focusing it to our four leads. Performance wise, how I mean, do we feel okay about them? Okay. I You were not a fan of I, Claire Forlani. No. <laughs> and in these in the first podcast we did and then this one I feel like I'm probably coming off as like I do not support the female actors and I do and I am one and I love them but it was just very I don't even know Adam how do you explain her performance because I did mock it a few times well uh, nothing changed like her performance was monotone the entire time yeah it's tough because I think we're, we're really meant to feel that she's not redeemed herself because that's not the right word, but that she's making a big turn in her life at the end because she doesn't she doesn't leave with with Gary and Lisa and some of the other bad guys associated with Nerve at the end of the movie. She stays with Milo, and we don't know what her end game is, and that's fine. We don't we don't really she, need to. She stays and then she drops him off and she's like leaving. Yeah, yeah. And she's and basically she she implies that it wasn't all fake that that she might have had some real feelings for him, and that's it doesn't matter. The movie ends on a stupid like freeze frame anyway, which is just stupid. You should never end a movie on a freeze frame because that's life freeze doesn't frame. just freeze. But um, it's tough because we're I think we are really meant to believe that she is gonna change, and I I believe that she is but the problem is is that she as you said is pretty much the same person as she is at the beginning and so it's hard to know like how much she has changed because i want to believe that she has but it's it's tough right i want to believe that but then what i believe is she's smart and she's like i'm not going with these fuckers that are going to get caught let's i'm gonna go i'm just gonna be like i trust this guy but really peace and that's what she does at the end she's like bye she's not going to end up with ryan philby she's just going to be out of there no not at all but it it, it is interesting to, to think you know whether or not she actually had any real feelings for him or not yeah and, and granted i think granted, she might i think there was a physical attraction and that was it okay i i, and I don't know i, I bring yeah. it up as just a as sort of a just a weird point of discussion because obviously she was essentially hired yeah to be his girlfriend and eventually woo him into pursuing this career at right. Nerve. And it was, a, they they were in that relationship for a while. So if she lasted that long, being that um, just schemy and manipulative, she didn't change really quick right at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, I, that's doesn't fine. doesn't happen. So let's, let's talk about Academy Award winner Tim Robbins. In this in this movie, how do we feel about him? Okay, <laughs> there is the a first part in the movie where 
after he and um, after he like invites uh, Milo, Ryan Phillippe's character, mm-hmm. to come check out his house, which let me say, when they pulled up to his house, and it was his house, but really it's just like I wrote "Hello, Tony Stark" <laughs> because that that's not a house from a guy who hasn't invented. It's a compound, yeah. It, but he has yet to invent the the synapses or you well, know what I mean? Y- yes. But- so yes, I know he has money, but it's like I mean, even Bill Gates doesn't even have that. So it was I don't know. I was just like, whoa, that just looks out of place. The whole house looked out of place. I think it's just meant to, I think it's meant for us to believe that, you know, his his wealth is in excess. Okay. He, he's totally well off. Um and you get that, especially going in. But okay, so he's showing the house and he's being cool. Like he's just cool. He's like this cool guy. He's very empathetic. Yeah. And th- at one point they're walking down the stairs and it's right before he hands Ryan Phillippe the like statue of what the satellite looks like. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I went, Oh, Tim Robbins is hot. <laughs> like he was hot in that movie. And I wasn't so much attracted. To, <laughs> I wasn't so much attracted to Ryan Phillippe, at least in that scene. This and is the just, hottest take of the movie, I gotta say. I, Tim Robbins over Ryan Phillippe. Like in that scene, I was very much attracted to that guy over Ryan Phillippe. You realize that, like two minutes later, he can't even eat a chip the okay. right way. <laughs> yes, and that's why I was being very specific about the scene. It was that scene. And then when he st- sticks the chip in his mouth and like some falls out, that's when I was like, oh, yeah, no. Ryan Phillippe, put your glasses back on. Um, anyways, <laughs> was, did that answer your question? I don't even know what we were talking about. We're talking about his performance, not yeah. the way that you wanted to bone him before he could We realize he can't eat fucking chips like a normal human being. His, okay, so up until that moment, I really enjoyed it, which that's still so early on. And then you commented about his performance, and that's when I started really looking into his performance well, and and it was very surface there's his, a yeah that's, that's he's got a very surface <laughs> I, and, I, and i can't tell if that's because i think he i think he is a good actor he's done a lot of great things in the past and obviously he, he won best supporting actor for mystic river but there's a scene in particular where he's talking to his lawyers and and milo's waiting outside and they're basically giving the lawyers are giving him bad news and and then milo comes in and he's looking at this piece of code and he goes, man, who's doing this? And Tim Robbins is like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> and Brian Phillippe is like, oh, I'm just, I, I just, I'm impressed. I want to know. And then, you know, Tim Robbins like throws this paper. And it's like. Hot. I loved it. Oh, I know. God, I, I'm, I'm wet right now. <laughs> Stop. Um, but it's like, that is such a, that's such a, I get that he's supposed to show that, like, he's cracking, right? He's not altogether there. But it's so, you're right, it's surface level. There's nothing behind it. it. It's just like, the director went up to him and go, hey, I need you to be mad. Can you be mad? And it's like, that's one of the things, like, as as an acting teacher, you tell your students, you can't play emotion. And yet, I feel like he was told, hey, be mad. Right. And he was like, gotcha. And he did it. He played mad. (laughs) Perfectly. So bravo. Sure, exactly. Oscar winner performance. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I I wasn't again, I just there were like I wasn't unimpressed with the performances. But I gotta say, even though I feel like um and sort of kind of bringing it back to Ryan Phillippe, I don't believe he's I believe he is uh, physically miscast because he doesn't look the way like because like his buddies, all three of his buddies, I'm like, yes. I see those guys. Yes. I think you can play this sort of and computer. And at the beginning of the movie, I wrote, I love this cast. I still believed it with Ryan. I, I did, well, though. I, uh, what, I, what I think he brings to it is at least he brings the sincerity and a, uh, a specificity and a he's uh, I can't think of the right word. He's not over the top. And, and he was genuine. Yeah. Well, and there's a scene where um, he it's it's right after he's he's basically he's come out of the daycare he's gone home and Claire, he he's, he knows now that uh, Claire Forlani is not who she says she is and he comes in he does the whole things like you're you know what you're right it's just what it said he was he's he's filling a teapot he's like man I should just focus I should get to work he plays it so and he grabs cool the orange and kind of looks at it yeah he's yeah, yeah, yeah. he's and it's it was funny because it's like everybody else in this movie is 
trying to be like, you know, like they're swinging for the fences. And he's like, he's not trying to hit a home run. He's just trying to get on base. And I think because of that, it works. He's solid throughout the movie. Yes. There's no point where he's like, even when he does the whole, you know, the real world, you're fucked. It's like the line's a little over the top, but he delivers it pretty he compellingly. Does. He does. He does. I got to give him credit for the movie. The only time I didn't believe him in that role, and it wasn't even his fault, it was the dialogue, was um, at the end when his girlfriend's saying something about, or who's telling him? Um, it's something about sleeping with him. Like I had to sleep with him or do you know what I'm talking about? Like they comment about being forced to sleep with him or maybe he even says it like my girlfriend's forced. Oh, he it, says he, it. He's saying he's it like, to Claire Forlani. He's like, and you're forced to sleep with me. And I was like, no one's forced to sleep with you. No, he wasn't That's, saying it to her. He was saying it to Rachel Lee Cook. But do you get what I'm saying? Yes. Like, yes. They're paying somebody to sleep with me. And yes, your reaction was you. nobody, okay, nobody's going to. No. Yeah. We would give that up uh, being unpaid. Um, Are you speaking for the entire <laughs> female gender right there? Like 90% of us. I'm sure there's a good 10%. I think there's like. a good chunk of people who don't like him now strictly because that him and Reese Witherspoon aren't a thing anymore. Right. I'm not sure the whole story behind this that, was if like I'm being bef- totally honest. This was before. Mm. He went with the nanny. Is it, I thought that was uh, Jude Law. Or is that mul- is there multiple nannies? Okay, I, guess that's, I mean, I Ben guess. Affleck did it. No, that was another one yeah, too. There's a lot. Um so well, no, he was he was dating Reese Witherspoon at the time of this movie, but this is before the you know yes. before before she won an Oscar and he started to feel like wait who well, was and they got the married and they had this? kids and all that. Well, yes, but okay, I, yes. I I honestly think it was it was her Oscar win that really kind of flipped things. Like, oh, oh I'm, on her. No, 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 I'm not blaming. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Just messing with you. That was that was a good turn though. I got to give you. you credit for that. Thank you. Um, I do have to say, um. The when they meet the um detective or the police officer, what's yeah, his? Richard Roundtree, who um is playing what is his name in the movie? Um, he is Lyle Barton, but the, the guy from the Department of Justice, yes. And he's like, and this is before he takes the job or whatever, or right after he kind of took the job. And he says, Um, I'm gonna give you one last chance for 42k a year, like 42,000 oh, and a Buick, and a Buick, <laughs> you come work for us. I <laughs> For that reason alone, fuck you. Two middle fingers and I'm going with the other guy. You like, know, it was so funny. I, I saw you get so reactive to that. And like, I wanted to I wanted to say something just then, but I, I, I waited because I wasn't sure if you'd bring it up. It sucks because he ends up being a bad guy. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't like. But what I like about that moment is... You know, it's I, he comes in like sort of hat in hand. Like, look, I, I know you're not going to take this, but, you know we're trying to stop the bad guys and we think who you are about to go work for is a bad guy. So look here, this is like legit what we can offer you. It's not what you're making there, but we're hoping that your conscience kind of does this. And he, and he says, no. And I, I actually like that moment because like the offer is ludicrous, but it's like, we're hoping that your heart can maybe sway you to, yeah. to, to go to the right thing. And I didn't trust it. Well, I didn't trust it. But like, the I, dialogue was perfect. But what I, I did hate, not trust. What it. I hate about it is that he ends up being a bad guy. And, and exactly. it's like, then why have that scene? Because you fell for it. I, I don't even know how you fell for it because the dialogue just spoke for itself. Like you shouldn't trust him. So, point one, Melissa, because I understood it before you. <laughs> I don't know for what. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um. So, I think one of my favorite. I think my. One of my favorite bad shots in the movie is when, um, so so after Teddy's died, and uh, and he's figuring everything out. Well, Ryan Ryan's talking to his friend, and his his friend goes, you know, Teddy was onto something. He was gonna tell us tomorrow. He said the answer. It's it's not in the box. It's in the band. No, no. Well, well, when when Tim Robbins repeats it to him. Oh no! It's the jaw shot. It's the it's the push in with the camera. Oh, is that it, the moment it happened? Oh, you're right. When he's talking to Tim Robbins. And he's sitting there and the oh my God. That I love that moment. It's the camera pulling away or zooming in. So it well, no, so what's what is happening is the camera is pushing in as it's zooming out. Okay. And that's what gives it that quality. Oh my god, I loved and it. It was quite it's literally the scene with Roy Scheider and Jaws. And a lot of other people have done it too, but I think that's the really iconic one. And it's like and then that the music totally changes and it's like Oh my God. I loved it. What and the fuck? The music, although it kind of tells you 
it, it, it starts to tell you when to feel things a little bit. I loved the music and it's just, I don't, I, <laughs> I really enjoyed this movie. I, I, well, here's the thing. I do too. And like, even though I think the, I, the score is either, it's, I don't like the score because as you just said, like there's a scene where the police are showing up and it, it sounds like we're watching Independence Day. Yes. But it, but I also hate all the like really bad early 2000s alt indie rock stuff. Yeah. Like, it's like, this is just I did. bad. I actually liked it. I, and was that 2000s? Because I was like, this is the 90s. Although, I don't know. Like, so this movie was released... <laughs> Uh, officially in uh, actually on my dad's birthday in 2001 on January 12th. Yes. To Greg St. John. Um, But yes, so this was, this was 2001. So it was shot probably primarily in 2000, like right after Y2K and everybody was like, Oh my God, we didn't die. That's great. Um, Yeah. I actually wrote, I love this music on my (laughs) notes. I really did. That's sorry. (laughs) Nobody. Nobody judge me. Um, well, I mean, you you know, the people are going to think they what they want to. Ex- exactly, yeah. My feelings aren't going to get hurt. I um, did you have a what the fuck moment? I didn't have one. I think honestly, I think my my what the fuck moment is is that for some reason there's a character, and I don't know what the actor's name is, but there's a character who goes by Stinky. And every time Gary's like, hey, Gary, how's it going? The guy who has like a man crush on, on him. And oh. was a, there's a whole lot of like, what are we doing with some of these side characters? And like, why are we introduced to them? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And so I think, I think my what the fuck moment is when him and that other guy are like having a back and forth. Like, don't get close to, to don't get too close to Stinky. And they're like, hey, what do they do with the village idiot when you're not here? And the other was like, well, what do we do with all the air fresheners when you're not here? It's like a whole I like love two minutes of dialogue. <laughs> it's like, but why do we have this? Right. It doesn't make any sense to me. But okay, okay. Honestly, though, okay. I think my what the fuck moment is Ryan Phillippe not introducing his friend Elisa. It's just, it's just so blatant that it he doesn't is, say anything. But hello, to him. you've done that to me multiple times. You've not introduced me to people, and I'm like, and if it was, thank God it's me. If and it I'm was like, filmed, Hi, if it was filmed, I'm and Melissa. I saw it, I'd be like, oh, that's <laughs> just not good. I did have a moment that I really enjoyed, and it's when they are running through, um, like right at the end when they're running through chasing him and the woman's doing yoga on oh camera. yeah and they run into her and she goes um asshole or she says she oh she's says not it southern and, she's not <laughs> asshole asshole i don't even remember how it's she like, said it asshole, asshole. she's got some <laughs> kind right. of weird i don't know i don't know where asshole. she's from but she's but i'm gonna stop i'm bad at accents she oh yeah we don't want to <laughs> bring that up there. now but uh that's a whole different podcast right there she i enjoyed that moment that was a really good moment and my if we're you know not that we have this in this podcast but in your amazing podcast with ian talk about unsung heroes is um, that my unsung hero i have one to you i do actually oh my gosh should we on three i don't know his name but i'll i'll um i hope it is or her no it's not a her oh Mine's well not a i her. was trying to trick you right okay. there um you'll know who i'm talking about when i say it so we'll just do our best okay, okay. On three. Are no, you going to count? No, you just say who it is and then I'll... Oh, no. We have to say it at the same time. Oh, okay. One, two, three. The security guard. Yes. Security guard. Okay. okay. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So his, his the actor's name is Douglas McFerrin. He plays Bob, Bob. who is the security guard. Um, Think He is a tenacious man. I mean, he knows how to do his job. Well, and I he like... He did not I like. Up. No, he didn't. And, and I think... I, I well a I like his performance. I like him in the movie. Yeah. I like that he's he's another side to this whole thing who ends up helping out when he easily when you think he's not going to like yeah. you think he's got it out for him and um it's what it's actually one turn in the movie that goes a good way mm-hmm. um, we feel, oh he's he's gonna help us um but I think the other thing too is in this day and age where we really we we've reached a point where in a way what they were doing with synapse is actually available. Like right now, like I could get on my phone, I could text somebody, I could call somebody or I could do a video chat with somebody right now on the same device. But what I, what I like about him is he's old school. Like he's dusting for fingerprints. Like he's, and I, I like, you know, it's the same way. Like I like to have a book in my hand and I like to have, I like to own a physical DVD versus just like how I like to look on my 
um, it's like how I like to look on my webpage. Oh my God. <laughs> That's an inside that joke. That is an inside joke. Only a few of our listeners would get that. Melissa doesn't Chelsea know how to St. say John. either. either <laughs> Melissa does not know what a website is or to even know what to call her Facebook page, really. She believes it's her webpage. <laughs> So they were just cool. um, speaking of Facebook, thanks for that like little thrill. No problem. Because at one point when we were looking, when he's when um, Miles is being shown Milo, Milo, thank you. That's not the first time. At least during the movie, you asked about that. <laughs> when he's being shown the what did they call it? The their little center. Yes, the egg. The egg. Yeah. Um, how cool it was with like the surfboards on the wall and then the skateboards. And, like, oh, it was all real that. trendy. It was really cool. And I wrote, um, it's almost like Mark Zuckerberg watched this movie when he was young and was like, I'm going to create a workspace like that one day. Like, I, I feel like that well, was. <laughs> but Okay. But you know what's really funny about that, though, is I can't say that I've been to like Facebook headquarters or anything, but like a couple of years ago, I did a, I did a, I think it was like a, a shoot it was a training video and I went to this, this, this production company in Seattle. I won't say who it is cause I don't want to get in trouble, but I went to their offices for a fitting and I went upstairs and like, it was all that, um, refurbished wood and like rebar and it was really trendy and people had their dogs there. Yes. And people were, were literally scootering around the office. And I was like, this is such a cliche and yet people are actually living it. Yes. And so it's weird because you, you want to look at that, that workspace and go, that no places like that, but like that's now, not true. Now, back then, well, sure, no. but like but it now, really yes. is a thing. It really is. Um, in Seattle, I feel like it's probably a bad spot for it. Oh God! And there's I, there's tons of them. I like, yeah, I probably won't say any names, but I know some people that work at some corporate places that are like that. And I'm just, it's it's crazy. But anyways, that was my little tangent. So if the, is there. As we kind of wrap it up here, is there is there one thing that we haven't talked about that you feel like is glaring? Like, oh my God, we have not talked about this. No, I didn't feel like it was that kind of movie. I was very intrigued, invested, and there wasn't a lot of like, it, it wasn't the happening. Like there was not a lot of big red flags. I really appreciated everything. And in the end, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I did too. I mean, there's not much. I mean, I could. There are certain lines and certain things that are just way unbelievable, like the the one main henchman dude chasing Milo at the end and like punching through a window, which is like you, you can't punch through a window, and if you do, your hand is going right. to break. Like there are things like that. There are things like when Milo and um, uh, Claire Forlani, who goes has who has a couple names in the movie, but they toast, and his toast is. To a long life, which oh. is such like a, like, come on. You, you After are, he found the sesame seeds. Exa- you know, yes, there's like, okay, you're right. If the worst part of this movie, like the worst part of this movie was the dialogue. It, it, it really was. was. And people like you who <laughs> love movies and really appreciate, this is going to sound really bad, the dialogue of movies, it's it, that would stick out. And then like people like me that are just, I don't even know how you describe people like me. I don't know if there are any. (laughs) But it's funny because, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to outwardly say that the script is bad. I love the idea of it. Right. And there, again, like the scene that there's, but it's funny because like the scenes that you didn't like, like the whole 42 grand a year in a Buick, I really appreciated. But then there are things, there are one liners like toast to a long life because I think you're trying to kill me. Like it's just like, it's like we're really, we're really not being subtle about what we're trying to say. Yeah. So at the end of the day, what kind of movie is this? Is this a bad, bad movie or a good, bad movie? I mean... Like, where does this fall? I think it falls... I mean, it will fall on the scale of a good, bad movie. I would watch this movie again. I would too. It's tough though because it's not bad, bad like The Happening was, but it's not good, bad like like The Room is. Right. right? It, it's a weird it's thing a because... It's a happy medium. It, it's yeah. a good... It's a... God, what it would... Uh, what would a... <laughs> A medium B on this scale. I, I, don't, I don't know because it's, I don't think. It's a meh. Again, because it's like the people behind it too, like the people in the movie and making the movie have talent. So it's not that we can say that it's God awful because it's not, but it's also, I think the problem is that it's not memorable. 
Here's a good way. Okay. Just thinking of this podcast, I feel like you are the critical score of Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and I am the, the audience. audience. <laughs> That's perfect. And I see this as a 50% movie. And you probably see this maybe not as a 24. I, don't, I wouldn't put it that low. Would you put it like at 32 or lower? Or would you put it at 32 or higher? You know, okay, If I from a personal like, and, and maybe it's because I just have such a history with this movie. Like this was one of the movies I watched in high school. And, that, and it was like probably 2001, 2002 when I really flipped a switch. And it wasn't like, I just like watching movies too. I'm going to start studying about movies. Now this was in the mix of it. And it's not great, but because it was in that period of change where I really started looking at film... I don't think, like, in my opinion, this shouldn't be a movie that we're discussing. Like, I don't believe that it is a a bad movie in the way where it's like, like, this should this should skirt the edges. I think this should be like a 38 or a 39, but I do not believe it's so low that it's a movie that we should be talking about. Right. But that's but like you know, looking at the movies ahead that we haven't discussed yet, but like that I really like. Like one that was one that is definitely in contention soon that we've mentioned we've mentioned, I think at least, but we haven't talked about yet on the podcast officially, has a nine percent. And I'm like, that is crazy because I genuinely really like this movie. And yeah. so I think that'll be part of the fun too, is is watching movies that we have such a kinship with that are rated so low like for i like i know that you like the league of extraordinary gentlemen i've never seen it but i know it's got a bad oh god bad that score. is like that's up there i love that movie and i just got judged by i mean i probably lost half our podcast right there and i apologize well but the, we talk about bad movies that's the point <laughs> so um so i think we've kind of come so yeah i'm mad i don't i don't i, I think actually i think i think where we can come to an agreement is that we think it should be above 32 percent yes which which sounds maybe pretty good not on this. much, not much, but yeah, it's a movie that I would go back to, and not in the near future, but what last time you saw it was in high school. Uh, def- well, probably maybe. college years, but okay. it's, it's been a while. This also feels like the kind of movie that now that you've seen it, you could throw it on in the background and like hear it and go like, "What's oh yeah, that's where they are." That, yeah, yeah, it's not a, it's not a thinker. So, well, anyways, um. Again, and, and, you know, we don't know when these are coming out, but, you know, thank you for indulging and listening to us talk about another movie. This week was Antitrust. Um, we're talking about having some guests come on soon, possibly, to expand the insanity which we are doing. Um, but who knows? So stick around. Maybe we'll get something soon. I don't know. Uh, but until then, I am Adam. I'm Melissa. And uh, just wait for the next shitty movie that we talk about.